Welcome to Expanding Your Faith, a podcast hosted by Bishop Greer Godsey of the Old Catholic Churches International. Expanding Your Faith brings together a panel of well-educated clergy and laity to discuss modern events with a biblical perspective. Our podcast is about to start. Please stay tuned. edition of Expanding Your Faith. I'm Bishop Greer, and joining me tonight is Reverend Mark. Greetings, everyone. And Bishop Ben. Greetings to everybody. So tonight we're going to uh, be doing our typical season ender. Um, We're going to be doing a question and answer session with our live studio audience uh, spread across TikTok and YouNow. And so if they have any questions, they can go ahead and start typing them in the window. We typically end out our seasons with these types of um, uh, opportunities for people to just ask any kind of question that has come to their mind over the season or um, that they've been dying to ask someone of a religious flavor. Uh, so <laughs> religious flavor, yeah, religious flavor. What flavor are you tonight? Uh, that's right. Um, and so uh, that's what we'll be doing here. Uh, we had some great episodes this last season. Uh, we talked about a lot of good topics. Uh, uh, soul safe, uh, how to have difficult discussions around the holidays. That went really well. And one on religious trauma and. Uh, one talking about America before the Europeans came here and um, just a bunch of uh, really great topics so if you haven't had a chance to go and check out um, the podcast I encourage you to do so and listen to some of those episodes I think that you will quite thoroughly enjoy them Um, so Looking for questions anybody has that they might want answered. So Diamond says, what is the meaning of the Holy Family? Well, quite honestly, it's the Holy Family. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. <laughs> that's that's what it is. Um We celebrate the Feast of the Holy Family the Sunday after Christmas um, as a way of kind of focusing on family life and all of its different dimensions and dynamics. But the Holy Family uh, refers to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Good question. Uh, Where or who do you turn to when you need good advice? myself no (laughs) Uh, I have a network of people I turn to a whole plethora of people who have experience well beyond mine Uh, Reverend Mark is one of those people Uh, Bishop Ben uh, Bishop Jim uh, even my wife Um, and so 
I, I have a whole network of people I turn to when I need some good advice. What about you, Reverend Mark? Uh, same answer. Um, I, I know I've asked Bishop several questions or what they would do in certain scenarios. Um, I, uh, I'm always a uh, fan of surrounding yourself with people that know more than you because you know what you know. Right. And um, I really try to analyze, you know, the, do I need a leadership expert or do I need a medical person? Do I need a therapist? Do I need, uh, you know, what, what, what is it that I need? And then go seek out uh, from people that I feel have a genuine desire to help somebody or a genuine desire to share wisdom, knowledge. Uh, I think that's the key is finding people that have a genuine desire not to control your life or, mm -hmm. you know, make sure they get the credit for telling you something. But that just have a desire to see, uh, see you succeed, right. see you get to answers. You know, uh, half the battle is knowing where to go get the answer. Right. So, uh, um, and I, I always, and I will follow up with people uh, on other topics that will look at me on one particular topic and say, you know, I have no idea what to, <laughs> how to <laughs> advise you there. Right. Uh, no, you know. And so and I know it all doesn't necessarily help you either. So right. um, I think having a network of people that have s specialties and, um, you know, uh, for instance, for me real quick, if I have a leadership question, and I've been trained in leader uh, leadership and have uh, been to many seminars and read many books and been in leadership positions for years and, um, you know, courses and stuff and uh, but I still go to people around me like uh, Bishop Godsey and um, we have a lot of retired colonels and majors in our church I'll pick their brain about stuff uh, not divulging confidence confidential things of course but uh, uh, but I'll you know how would you handle this scenario so I'll I think having a network of people is very important. Right. Yeah. Bishop Ben? It's the same as you, Bishop Greg. I, I lean on you. I lean on Bishop St. George. Uh, mostly clergy because that's what we're in the field we're in. But I agree with Reverend Mark of having a network of people that have different skills so you can lean on them comes in handy. Very cool. And it's not a foregone conclusion that people will just do that because right. a lot of people you know, they internalize a lot of things and think, well, I can just solve it all myself. You know, God blesses us with gifts around us to get answers to our questions. We don't always have to beat our heads over in the right. prayer closet because sometimes God places the answer right in our friend or our mentor or our pastor or someone that has wisdom. Right. It's okay to... It's, it's okay not to reinvent the wheel. Go go ask somebody how to do something. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, why chisel that wheel out? Right. 
So Art asks, why do some Christians judge others? <laughs> oh, wow. Good question. Good question. Well, quite <laughs> honestly, uh, we did a podcast on this, actually. Um, they tend to judge others because, um, well, several things. One, they, they don't have um, um, the kind of faith they feel that they should. And so they tend to nitpick others that they feel have more faith than they do. Yeah. Uh, they see things in themselves that they don't like. And rather than change that in them, they nitpick it in other people. Um, or they're just downright bad people sometimes. And just that's how they enjoy life is by tearing others down. Yeah. Um, and I think in some th in some ways uh, they do probably think that they're better than others. Um, so, but don't you think that goes back to a base of um, insecurity inside of themselves? Mm -hmm. um, I, I know several people that are very judgy, mm -hmm. and um, they think they have fooled people by their knowledge and you know their. Ch and it's sad because you look and you watch them and they're just very they're extremely insecure people right within themselves right and instead of taking the quote-unquote bull by the horn and growing within themselves they try to like you said throw the attention on somebody else and right. hey y'all look at all those people over there while you're over here you know not living up the the way we're supposed to through right. love and grace I think it's. I think it really goes back to the insecure within yourself and not having that faith in God uh, for other people to grow. Right. So yeah, I, good answer there. All right, Alistair wants to know. I know Jesus was conceived on March twenty fifth. Why do we celebrate December twenty fifth as he was not born then? And the Romans decided it's like the second century. So that's a, a little bit of a long answer, too. Um, we got plenty of time. Essentially, um, the Roman church decided that in order to bring in the maximum number of people, they would co-opt pagan holidays that already existed and put religious significance Christian religious significance to them and that way people would have less of a problem converting they'd still be celebrating the same type of, of um, celebration um, nobody's a hundred percent sure when Jesus' birthday is and there's tons of people out there who've done exhaustive amounts of math and and history um, work to try to determine it and so um, it was and, and I've even done that I've, I've done research into it myself and uh, the Coptic Orthodox Church uh, for many centuries taught Jesus' birthday was on September 11th. 
And, of course, Jesus spent a good amount of time in Egypt as a child. So there's some precedence for that being more accurate than others. But the reality is it, it doesn't really matter when we celebrate it. Um, it's that we celebrate it. You know, we take time to remember his birth and uh, to spend time with loved ones and show them love and compassion and care. Uh, not just one day a year, but all year long. But to have that reminder that love came into the world um, and we should emulate that love to everybody. Uh, but right, Morgan, it can't be more than 300 days off, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it happens sometime in the period of 365 days. <clears throat> so pretty sure he was born somewhere in that window. But, um, you know, December 25th um, was a ploy to try to help people convert. I don't have anything. You answered that very well. Mm -hmm. Diamond says, is canon law a Catholic thing? If so, do other religions have a law in the church? Uh, no, canon law is not specifically a Catholic thing. Uh, other churches have their own church law, uh, their own church rules uh, that govern them. In fact, just about every church does. I don't know of any church that really doesn't. Um, Maybe some non-denominationalist might. Yeah, that's pretty kind of even, even then, you have articles of incorporation right. for a for a church that would state their beliefs. Right, right. So it's it's kind of a universal thing. It might not be called canon law in other churches. It could be called you know precepts, or it could be called. Um, governing regulations or governing rules or it, it's all generally the same thing. You're the you're the canon law expert here. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm the canon lawyer, sadly. Yep. Yeah, other churches might call it polity. Yeah. So. I know um, that Episcopals have a certain they the canon law, but different. Yeah, they don't call theirs uh, canon law. Theirs are titles. There you go. Titles. Are, yep, titles. Um, Big book, too. Church. Big so book. It's a bit of a... It, it's a lot. They, they have a lot in the Episcopal Church. It's a, it's a pretty thick book, so... Huh. Yeah. Death by a thousand paper cuts. Yep. Very good questions so far. Yeah, right. excellent questions. Yeah. So, any other questions as we sit here and think? Any comments? I know the answer to this, but I'll stir the pot. Go ahead. Eggnog or custard? <laughs> custard. <laughs> custard. Custard. I like eggnog. <laughs> I like custard too, but eggnog would would win it for me. Right. I remember okay, the first time I ever right. had eggnog was at my my nana's. She had a 
half gallon jug in her refrigerator right at Christmas and I had never tried any. She's like, here, try some of this. Hooked. Right. <laughs> Father David yeah, says no, go ahead. Really not? Sorry. No, it wasn't spiked or anything like that. Well, Father David says eggnog at Christmas, custard any other time. Yeah. There you go. That works too. Yeah. So Kalana says, real, real what is the meaning of peace to you? There you go. Good question. So we actually did a podcast on this too. Um, you know, peace is not the absence of, of anxiety or the absence of um, hardship or sadness or any of those things. Peace ultimately ends up being how we react to those situations. We create our own peace in the way that we react to situations that happen. And so peace ends up being kind of a construct of our own. We, we develop it and... and put it forth in how we react to the world around us. Yeah, and in, in when you do a study in the scriptures, you know, the word peace essentially means that there is a oneness and that there is uh, nothing missing, nothing broken. And it, <clears throat> it's not necessarily meaning that your life is this perfect thing right. because we, we really don't get to that. But what it's referring to is that you are set in a singular motion with the call on your life or the assignment in your life, the purpose in your life, and you're moving in that direction uh, towards that fulfillment. Um, I think that's what a lot of people are missing is fulfillment in life. That's why you see a lot of people jump from job to job, well-educated people right. even, jumping from job to job to job. They're trying to find the joy. They're trying to find that peace. They're trying to find that fulfillment. And when you embrace your life moving in the direction of, to me, love, joy, grace, that's when that peace settles in in your life where you know I'm doing what I can I'm doing all that I can I'm moving in the direction and growing and I may not be perfect but the state that I'm in I realize that as I'm growing there's really nothing missing because I'm doing what I'm supposed to I'm growing uh, when we're missing things in life is when we're not growing, when we're not giving ourselves over to, for me, the message of Christ, and so forth. So uh, there could, there, there's plenty of times where there's conflict around us, but if you're doing those things that you know you're called and assigned to do, then the peace remains. You know, right. it. Um, it's kind of like the picture of the. Or the meme of the lady that's walking away from the explosion in the background and she's got this little smile on her face you know that's the way peace feels there could be the explosion around you in life but you're doing the things you're supposed to you're growing in the directions you're supposed to 
and you're reaching for deeper in your life. And to me, that's where ultimate peace comes from. Very good answer. So Blackbird says, as monotheism came to dominance, displacing traditional values, do you think that this way has been detrimental for humankind? And do you think it has been a cause of social unrest as people struggle to find meaning in their lives? And lastly, do you think the church will ever be capable of seeing the value of traditional indigenous knowledge? Wow. <laughs> There's a podcast for us. <laughs> right. We could fill a whole podcast on that. Yeah, um, it's a lot there. Yeah. Good question. Um, I, I think the whole convert or die mentality that the church took in its early days um, was very detrimental. Um, it left a lot of damage, a lot of scars. Um, not just on people, but on the church as a whole. And um, it kind of set up a pattern that would continue for many years. It would bleed over into things like the Crusades and the Spanish Inquisition. And I mean, it was really a, a very detrimental time. Um, for the church and society. Um, and so I think that that method of, of um, forcing people to convert to monotheism was a very detrimental thing. Um, I think there were much better ways to go about it, uh, such as showing love and kindness and peace versus um, you know conversion at the end of a sword or the end of a gun and I think that it has been a cause of great social unrest um, throughout the years because people innately people feel a need to connect with something bigger than themselves something um, uh, um, yeah something greater than them and if they feel they can't turn to the church because of its history they can't speak those you know heretical air quotes, heretical thoughts about um, their thoughts on God, on religion, on spirituality, then they're kind of left wandering. causes both a societal and um, uh, internal unrest. And do I think the church will ever be capable of seeing the value of traditional indigenous knowledge? I think that some churches are already trying to. I think some churches are already trying to understand um, different 
spiritual and religious uh, values uh, that come from other traditions and how those might augment, help uh, the uh, religious communities therein grow and expand. So I think it's it's possible. Yeah. I think when you when you hand over that power historically uh, to the church that they you know move to who lives who dies and stuff of that nature instead of um, us holding fast to the teachings of Jesus um, we've shown that we don't do well with that uh, right. there instinctly comes a um, I call it the cutoff mentality in the church where after so many strikes you're not doing what I think you should do you, people moving over that judgmental attitude you're not conforming to the way I think you should do all of a sudden well you're dead to me I used to watch that all the time right. in charismatic circles that I traveled or was in it's terrible it was really really bad um, and so <laughs> and so when you had people moving into that position where they weren't able to exercise, say, crusade-level judgment on folks where they were sending them on to Jesus um, and to their eternal reward. Uh, <laughs> you had them doing that in a spiritual sense or a, you know, a natural sense where they just cut you off, they don't talk right, to you, right. they, they shun you. Uh, church folks are, as a whole have done very well doing the shunning and I think it's really sad watching uh, people who you know don't go to church or have left the church reflect on the church a place that should represent love and joy peace and acceptance all the things that Jesus taught us you know and they realize that it's it represents exclusivity, it represents racism in some places, homophobia, dysphobia, right. that phobia, um, even, um, you know, look, and we talked about this on one podcast where some churches, <coughs> people that have uh, uh, health challenges or disabilities and stuff of that nature, they were never allowed to move into uh, positions of authority or positions of leadership and stuff like that so right. you have all that stuff going from a place that should be open to all people right. because if you truly believe that your message is life-changing and it's for the world then why do we close our doors or uh, isolate ourselves from certain groups in the world whether it's um, the color of their skin, uh, the orientation of who they love, and so forth. And, uh, I, you know, our track record doesn't show that we do well in positions of political power. Right. And when we're the, sitting there going, you know, we're the judge and jury. Because, again, when you read the scriptures, you understand that 
judge not lest ye be judged and that we are not the judges we are not the alpha and the omegas we are the servants of god we are the bringers of the message of christ right. and that's it what people do with that message that's between them and god right not between them us and god right and we've lost that we've we've created this threesome thing where we have I bring you a message now you're responsible now I'm responsible to make sure that you're doing it and if you're not doing it I'm responsible to carry out God's judgment it's like crusades all over again just in a different way right. and um, and the last point that or the last question he said I I think the church would have to open their minds to something to come something that God created in the world and that's diversity amongst people you know uh, the church would have to know what uh, 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 people's beliefs are for us to be able to step back and say yes we can incorporate that yes we can respect your beliefs or because uh, I, I guarantee if you went up to a, a church person and said hey what would uh, a native of our land what would they what do they believe what are some of their practices what are they had no clue right. they would have no clue but if you if you asked them first do you support their beliefs they would immediately say no but then when you carry it further and say do you know what their beliefs are they also say no right. so it's just it's that I don't know what it is so I'm a, immediately opposed to it right. it's like trying a new food you know just because you don't know what it it's like you're automatically oh i don't like that have you ever tried it no how do you not how do you know you don't like it and i think there i think that god has placed different things in all people that we can benefit from learn from grow from and isn't necessarily opposed to or uh, against the scripture and the way jesus taught us to live and so I, I think uh, if all people are teaching love and grace and acceptance, that's the bedrock of what Jesus taught. That's right. Your thoughts, Bishop Ben? Well, you know, Reverend Mark covered it real good. You know, and uh, you know, church leadership sometimes we we get lost in the day-to-day -day business of of running the business, the church, and doing church operations. They reduce sometimes lose sight of of how to handle things and sometimes we we take things on and we seem to you know lose sight of being who we're supposed to be you know so instead of being arrogant you know we lose sight of being a church leader right we have to keep in focus in our mind what we're there for you know exactly and how to run things I think Absolutely. we, I think a lot. We <clears throat> just what he what they just said. We we completely lose sight of why we're there. Right. Exactly. And that happens. You know, it doesn't always happen, but it does because we get wrapped up in day to day administration, dealing with maintenance issues, electrical issues, sound issues. You know, the plethora of issues that go wrong with our parish, and we forget what we're there for to begin with. Did they say plethora? Plethora. I love yeah, it. Plethora. Plethora. 
Anybody that's know? That's what I uh, Anybody know uh, what a movie that that was used in? A, a probably a movie that no people. A plethora. Would you <laughs> say that I have a plethora? Have you ever seen the movie uh, The Three Amigos? Oh yeah. Yes. It's, a, it's just a terrible movie, but <laughs> it is a terrible movie. <laughs> it's a terrible movie. <laughs> Try but to block I, out that I watched it. I remember that the the guy going, "Would you say that I have a plethora of presents?" And the guys, <coughs> "Yes, I would say you have a plethora. Do you even know what a plethora is?" And he <laughs> sorry. Sorry for invoking <laughs> the dumbest movie and yeah. horrible movie. <laughs> I'm trying to forget I watched it. Right. I still have uh, trauma from having watched it. <laughs> Talk about trauma. Kaulana right. <laughs> says, um, what does it mean to allow another person to truly love you? I'm looking to our love expert. Oh, That's a good question. <laughs> a great question. A very deep question. Yes. So, what does it mean to allow another person to love you? Did I say that right? To truly love you. Yeah. Truly love you. Ooh, it means you are giving yourself permission to experience love. It means that you are letting down your defenses, all the letting down some barriers and boundaries. I believe some boundaries are very healthy, but we do put up some boundaries in our life that are very detrimental to our well-being. Um, that we're giving ourselves permission to embrace relationships. Um, we're all designed for relationships. God designed us, Creator designed us all relationships and that's why we are so dysfunctional when we either one don't have good relationships in our lives or two cut ourselves off completely from relationships um, it also means that in some factors it means that we're healing that we're on the road to healing the wounds from our past I think that question really depends on the state that you're in in your life uh, but it probably if I had to say anything it, it, it means that you're allowing yourself to heal um, because if if you recognize that you weren't allowing yourself to lo be loved but now are then you probably experience some tough times in life right. and you may needed to to protect yourself and to guard um, but the right people, it's okay to let them love you. Um, I have a hard time with that personally. Uh, I understand the question. I have a hard time with that personally because I, I tend to feel that I'm not recognized or um, that I'm not valued or, or that I'm not... Uh, recognized for some reason or that people don't see me uh, and it's not from a place of I want to be seen it's just a, from a place of you know overlooked and um, lost in the shuffle however you want to say it and when 
people genuinely love me, there are times that I, I feel that they just want something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's a hard place. Um, and, uh, you know, you are embracing the fact that you are a valuable creation amongst creation. Right. And I think that that's a, that's a wonderful place to be. And um, it's sad that, that we cut ourselves off so often from that knowledge. Right. Uh, and so many people are like that. Um, and yeah. I think that that's very true. And, and I think a lot of, especially ministers, feel that very same way. Know, it, it's hard because so much is demanded of, of us, you know, and just about everybody who comes into our our circle is there because they need something, they want something, and so it's hard to parse apart those people who actually are there because they like you they love you they want to be around you and those who just need something you know and so I think a lot of us uh, feel that uh, very deeply and it's also hard because if we're ministering rightly then when we stand in the pulpit um People are supposed to look through us to the message that we're delivering. And so we kind of become transparent in the process. And so um, that also makes it hard because we, we always get seen as, you know, we're not really there. You know, people look through us, and so it's it's hard. But very much so, what Reverend Mark said. You know, um, you have to let your defenses down, and you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable for others to truly love you. That's a good question. And see, to add to that a little bit, a little bit to that, is are we talking about adding to your defenses? us ministers tend to put up walls because we have to protect ourselves right. from from the proverbial stake in the grass. Right. You know, we have to protect ourselves, but in the same, same token, we have to tear down, let the walls down so we can be an effective minister. That's a hard balance. It sure is. Remember, Mark put it good. Well, you're, you, <clears throat> as Jesus did and as God does, we're, we're looking at the potential and the good in people see that correct but it's also the balancing act of maybe that person's in a place to where they're not you know on firm ground within themselves and so you have to recognize that Uh, but at the same time you don't want to uh, stunt their growth if they're genuinely making strides towards wholeness and and growth and completion and so it takes a little bit more of you know, laser-like focus, watching, keep making sure that they're okay, simultaneously protecting the flock from 
right. may be something that they may potentially do. Because, uh, I, I, you know, I've had situations where people genuinely wanted to do something good in the church or make strides for good in the church or amongst the community. Um, but they, you know, they were not at the place to where they were whole enough or, you know, they had a lot going on in their life. So there's a lot of dynamics there, and you, you see the potential inside of people. Um, sometimes the potential can be uh, recognized or realized quickly. Sometimes it's a very, very slow process, like, uh, you know, molasses running down trees in, right. in Michigan in, in the winter. Uh, right. <laughs> and so uh, there's a balancing act there, but but those guards, um, you, they're const you have to constantly, as a minister, if you're doing your job well, to me, you have to constantly evaluate and make sure that you're not being too guarded or not guarded enough or watching the flock, watching your people. Uh, and, uh, no, that's a great point, Bishop Ben. Thank sure. you. So, so Kalana has another question. What life lesson did you have to experience firsthand before you fully understood them? <laughs> great question. Wow, that's, that's a great question. Deep oh, wow. question, too. Um, you know, in order, I always, <laughs> I always growing up never saw the bad in people. I always saw the good. And so I was the kind of person that even when I was being bullied on the playground, I was still friends with the bully because I, I only saw the good in them. And it really took some very painful experiences as a teenager to really learn that some people are just bad people. You know, they, they really are. They're so damaged and and twisted and everything else that, you know, they, they're just out to damage everybody else. And that was a hard lesson to learn because I always wanted to see the good in everybody. And I think I still do to a certain degree, but I'm a little more jaded now. And I'm a little more suspicious of people than I used to be. Um, but it took learning that firsthand. Um, you know, those experiences in my life to really learn that not everybody has your best interest at heart. Yeah, I, I have a, you know, there's a few lessons that, you know, I, I learned from going from my first, resigning my first pastorate and learning a lot from that. Uh, a lot of the lessons I've carried over into pastoring now. My biggest life lesson I guess was twofold um, through uh, my divorce a few years ago um, one learning to value and to love myself not in an arrogant way but to love myself as the creation God made um, because I felt and this is no slight against him but I felt like I would never have an opportunity again to be right. loved or to get married because who would want me? 
and so there was a value there that grew because uh, I had some situations that happened in the midst of that that showed me that I'm a valued and loving, lovable person. And also to not lose sight of who I am and the things that I'm called to do, the assignments that I'm called to do, and sacrificing that strictly for someone's approval who themselves was looking for something in life for, for the, their own self. Right. And so um, that really helped. Uh, and through that self-love, you know, the first thing that I did when I knew that it was crumbling and falling apart was I sought, off, sought out professional help to help me walk through my hurts and my wounds because I did not want to be that person that walk around, walked around bleeding, you know, mentally, spiritually, emotionally over everybody because of my divorce and my breakup and all the things that happened. So I sought, sought out and still do, uh, you know, a therapist and spend time uh, reflecting on myself to make sure that I'm not embracing my fears and right. things. Uh, so that was a, you know, and I realized that, you know, God can take messes that we put ourselves in and can still teach us and show us uh, lessons and grace and mercy and position us for even better if we'll, if we'll take it. And, you know, I have no ill will towards uh, my ex and, um, and I think that's a huge thing. And I, I know other people probably have had worse experiences as far as divorces go. Uh, mine was, was pretty rough on certain levels. Uh, but I chose to not live constantly as a broken person. Right. Uh, you know, I have scars, but we can either, we can either heal and have scars or we can just walk around with life in life with those open scars constantly right. and we all know what open scars to our physical body does you right. know if they're not tended to at some point eventually they what could be just a small thing if we don't tend to it can turn to uh, you know a domino effect right. towards the whole body and so uh, I think we have to make that determination that, that we value our health and our healing above our woundedness. Right. A lot of people don't embrace that. A lot of people would rather walk around and talk about how they've been hurt and wounded above, you know, yes, I was hurt and wounded, but let me share something that may help you on how I healed. Because um, that really is the, the thing to be, is to heal for yourself. And then you have something that encourages somebody else. Say, honey, if I did it, so can you. Right. You can grow and heal. Bishop Ben, what wow. life lessons did you learn, have to experience firsthand before you fully understood them? Wow. First of all, Reverend Mark set the bar pretty high on that one. <laughs> wow. It's hard to follow that. Uh, it's hard to <laughs> hard to follow that act, but it, no. But seriously, also kidding aside, 
for me, it was, I don't know, high school, I was, teenage years, I was stubborn like any, any teenager was. You know, I had to learn things the hard way. But when I started from seminary school, when I realized that I had to settle down and really start listening to God and the Holy Spirit guide me, instead of taking the, the, the hard-head approach with it. And also working in several different churches allowed me to learn some lessons that I would have never, never learned in my whole life experience, you know. So, you know, it's about, for me, it was about settling down and actually listening to the Holy Spirit and letting God guide me for me. And, of course, it was a hard lesson because who wants to, in your teenage years, sit there and say, okay, God, take control of my reins of my life. Right. You know, who, who really wants to sit there and admit that they're going to let God control their life? But I had to learn that the hard way. But I'm glad I did. And I'm glad that God was able to help me learn that lesson. Excellent. <clears throat> Excuse me. Good answers. Well, folks, that brings us to the end of our podcast tonight. We had some really great questions. I appreciate everyone's questions tonight. And this brings us also to the end of this season, season seven. Season 8 begins February 3rd with our first uh, podcast of Season 8. So I hope you all will join us uh, then. Um, thank you, Reverend Mark, for being here. And Bishop Ben. Thank you, Bishop, thank you. for having us and hosting us. Always yeah. a pleasure. Uh, until then, uh, folks, until we once again work to expand your faith, Keep shining bright, my friends. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Expanding Your Faith. For more information on Expanding Your Faith, check us out on facebook.com forward slash expanding your faith. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you find your podcasts. Until next week, when we once again attempt to expand your faith, keep shining bright.